Global Broadcasting Networks presents Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with a special episode where we're going to talk about human trafficking. And we are visiting today with Lisa Rapp McCall. And Lisa, I'm going to throw the mic right over to you to introduce yourself and let people know about your background. Thank you so much, Sandra. Um, I'm a professor in graduate social work at St. Leo University and have been studying and learning about human trafficking for a while now, and I wanted to share this information with everyone. I think that's so important because, you know, I hear the word human trafficking, and it, it, it conjures up, like, somebody from, like, you know, like like the Pacific Rim smuggled into this country and they're in a basement in like New York City and we there's a bust and, you know, it's what I've been accustomed to seeing on the news. And I know it's so much bigger and there's so much more than that. And that's why we're here to talk about this today. Absolutely. It really is bigger than that. But that is a common perception that we have, especially in the United States. We tend to think it's happening elsewhere or people are brought into the country. And some of that's true, but it it also pertains to our children and adults in our own country that are being victimized by it. So it's not just kids. No, it's not. It can be children. Um, they've they've caught victims um, engaged in in this from very very young infants, which is highly disturbing, obviously. But it also can be up through adults that are pulled into this and compelled and coerced um, and threatened into uh, the human trafficking. So is human trafficking just for the sex trade? Is it for, like, domestic housekeepers? I mean, what, what, is, what does that really mean? I know you're moving people for some reason, but what are the typical reasons you move human beings? Is it like slavery? Yes, I think that that helps. Some people have called it modern-day slavery, and people are forced or coerced or threatened um, or tricked and trapped into doing things against their will. And we tend to think a lot about it as sex trafficking, but it's actually more people are caught in labor trafficking than in the sex trafficking. So it's it's very broad. Um, a few of the areas that we might find it in are um, agriculture and farming industry. So people will be trafficked in order to pick fruits or vegetables or um, harvest other things or plant. They've also found trafficking in domestic services, as you mentioned. So those are cleaning crews, maybe for commercial or even our homes. They've even found it in home health care, which is really upsetting and scary um, in that people are um, 
getting pulled in and then they're going to be the nurse or the health care helper to people who are ill or home and bed bound. So there's all different ways that this can be found. And what we've seen is that if there's a way to exploit people, traffickers have found out how to do that. Wow. Wow. So it really, you know, when I look at like, you know, like I look at domestics at the hotel or I look at, you know, like out here in California, we use a lot of migrant farm workers. They're out there. I used to teach English in the field. And I was I was horrified that I was, you know, sitting on these little white buckets. You know, we would do English right. at, at lunch break and there's like children there and they're there with their parents. And I'm thinking, gosh, this, you know, I, I, I didn't realize the extent of what it was until I started seeing, you know, just on that very small level. Absolutely. We most of the time we go about our days and we don't realize that these victims are just right out in plain sight sometimes, um, but we're not aware of it. So are they are they like and this sounds so awful, but are like the are they like elephants that are chained up and then when they're unchained they don't know they're free or are, is it is it fear is this indentured servitude like what's the deal like you know if they're out working right. doing things why don't they leave right really good question why don't they just run sneak away sneak off but that's part of. Um, how they got into it, many times they are tricked into it, or once they have gotten into it, they are threatened if they leave. Um, sometimes their family members are threatened. So they really are scared. Sometimes they're beaten. Uh, many times with our young uh Children and adolescents, they're often drugged, so they are drugged into compliance to do some sex trafficking, and then they're addicted to um, that, that drug that they're giving them, and they can't leave. They have nowhere to go. They may be isolated. So there's lots of reasons why they can't just sneak away or run off. They get pulled into this, um, and they're very scared very scared to leave. Well, I would imagine, especially if they come from another country, they don't know the language, they're away from their family, and then, you know, whatever substance they're given, you know, can also alter their judgment, alter their reality. Absolutely. And they're isolated, so they don't often know where they are. They're moved around very frequently, so they're confused. So imagine being in a different country. You don't know one city or one state to the next, and you're being um, taken place to place, maybe during the night. You're not with other people. So it's pretty scary and pretty isolating. And if they do run, where would they go? What would they do? How would they communicate with others? Who would believe them? Right, right. Or like when I look at those human trafficking signs that you see sometimes in bathrooms, I'm like, <laughs> they're all in English. Like, right. you know, that's great if you're you know, a native English speaker. But if you're, you know, Thai or Vietnamese or, or Russian, I know there's quite a few um, girls that I met in real estate that that have had family members or they were originally trafficked um, through the modeling industry and, um, you know, run away, run away in Italy, run away in London, you know, told me horror yeah. stories. Um, now, you know, now they're living here in the United States. They're successful. They're actually a group of successful real estate agents out here that experienced that 
as young women, and now they're in their 40s. They do a lot of advocacy work for these groups, but it's so sneaky, you know, like... Yes. It's very sneaky. It's very secretive. Um, it's highly illegal. So they're very good at sneaking um, these victims around and not getting caught. Um, they'll go from place to place. They keep it quiet. They make sure they stay quiet. Um, they have stories and backstories made up so that if anyone were to ask something, they could give a reply. But that's the name of the game, this secret and quiet, hard-to-detect kind of thing, because this is their business, and they're making big money to do it. Right. At the end of the day, it comes down to dollars. Right. So what happens? Do they just kill these people when they don't need them anymore? I mean, if it's if I mean, I, you know, like I don't mean to be cold and crass, but, you know, if if humans are their commodity, you know, like when a sheep is sick and they can't be used, we slaughter them, we 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 burn them or whatever. If they're sick, you know, if they're product that Mm -hmm. that we're not going to sell in the U.S., we flood the third world countries with our with our less than stellar products. I mean, you know, you know, these things, you hear these things. So what do you do with a human being, though? Right. Sometimes they are uh, beaten and left. Sometimes they are thrown away. Sometimes they are killed, sold from one trafficker to the next, just like slavery in, in back in the day. So any and all of those things, whatever is convenient for them. Wow. Wow. So um, when when these things happen, are they happening, you know, and again, this is my own ignorance, but are they happening to also like U.S. citizen children or are these just all imported adults and children? No, they are happening to U.S. citizens, adults and children, unfortunately. Um, And there are certain groups that they will target because they are most vulnerable. So like you mentioned, runaway and homeless youth, um, children who have aged out of the child welfare system or foster homes. They've been abused in their past, so they are very vulnerable. Um, impoverished people as well as immigrants and refugees, etc. So the most vulnerable people are targeted, but yes, indeed, some of our missing children and runaway children are perfect targets for this trafficking. Is that what they mean by the term missing and exploited children? Like, I I really, you know, I see those signs at Walmart, like missing and exploited children. Like, an exploited exploited child is a child forced to work in whatever capacity. Yes, that is exactly right. Absolutely. Wow. And obviously they don't go to school. They're probably not fed properly. They're, they're not out milling around the community. So we even know they're there. It's like a hidden, like, like the, the, what was it? The abolition or the slavery, you know, the tunnels, they were transported under, under wraps really. Right. Um, Most are not in school. They are whisked away and just missing and forgotten, unfortunately. Some are in school, and we have some interesting kind of things they're doing now online to traffic children. And these children are living in our homes, Sandra, and they're going to school every day. So it's a little scary, but that's a whole nother arena now that has opened up to them for trafficking. 
Wow. So we're about to go to commercial break, Lisa. Where should people find out about this or, or you know, where can they go to find out more about you? Well, I would definitely ask them to check out the Pasco County Commission on Human Trafficking to learn more about this, and also the Administration for Children and Families um, is a wonderful location for more information. Okay, we'll be back after the break. More ahead, stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. It's merging down I always get a kick out of the warning labels companies attach to prevent lawsuits from the hooky-crooky of this world. A warning label on a dishwasher cautioned not to put any person in the unit. Speaking of dishwashers, one product warning on a television remote control read, not dishwasher safe. That's too bad because we know how dirty the remote control gets. In fact, we press the buttons even harder when we know the battery is dead. What are we, part of the ridiculati? A warning on a baby stroller read, remove child before folding. Here's one for the blunderbusses and poppin' jays among us. A label on a letter opener read, safety goggles recommended. Call me snarky, but any society that needs this many disclaimers has too many lawyers, pedophagers, and snollygosters. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. here today with Lisa Rapp McCollin. We're talking about human trafficking and one of the things that I find fascinating, Lisa, is how has the internet transformed the human trafficking industry? Because it's big money. It really has transformed it, Sandra. Um, First, the recruitment now for a lot of our youth is happening right online. So these traffickers will um, follow and kind of stalk and look for different kids and what they're posting on the various social media outlets and kind of looking for the sad kid, the depressed, maybe a naive kid, vulnerable child, and they start connecting with them, trying to make a friendship, a buddy, etc. They may talk to them. They may talk to them for months to groom them and get them to really think of them as a really good friend. And the next thing that they do is they might start 
saying that they really have feelings for them or make them think that this is a boyfriend, girlfriend, kind of some kind of online relationship. Um, they could start with getting them to send some naked pictures of them. They might send pictures back. And before you know it, it's progressed to meeting up somewhere and doing things and then holding that over the child's head by saying, I have those naked pictures you sent to me. I'm going to show everyone unless you do ABC. Uh, so there's the extortion. There's, there's the, the extortion. Yep. And they're going to tell your parents or I know where your parents, where you live, where your parents live. I know you have a cat and dog. I know you have a little brother. And mm. I'm going to hurt them if you don't do what I tell you. And you're going to come down here. You're going to meet so-and-so. You're going to do X, Y, and Z. So we're seeing that. We're also seeing recruitment on dating sites for maybe adult women and adult men um, meeting up and you don't really know the person too well except that you've had a few exchanges maybe on the dating site and suddenly you're meeting up with someone and they're dragging you and taking you somewhere. People don't know where you went on your date. Um, or what's going on and you're either missing or they're going to act like your boyfriend and everything's okay for a while but then they seduce you and pull you into something like we're out of money we need you to go do this I'm mm -hmm. gonna hurt someone if you don't do it if you loved me you would do it and there could be like domestic violence type of violence um, psychological violence all of that so they will pull them in, and the online is just has opened up a brand new avenue for traffickers. Right, to meet kids and, and, and to deal in volume business. Absolutely. And the buyers are online too. And they're on the dark web. You may have heard of that. Sure. This, this was sort of new to me too, but. Uh, the buyers go on the dark web, and unfortunately, that's where they see all kinds of advertisements for uh, sex with children and minors and adults and all kinds of different, you know, various things that whatever they may want. Um, they will go somewhere to meet in some, you know, hotel or back of a bar or whatever it is, and that's where things are going on. But they'll go through that dark web um, to get there. So the Internet has opened that up as well. Wow. It's like Amazon for kids. Like, you know, you... Yeah. So the the let's get let's talk a little bit if you can about the psychology of these predators. Are they young? Are they old? Are they typically male? Are they are they you know, do they have other children or young people being their accomplishment accomplices? You know, what does that look like? Well, there's a variety, but the vast majority of our sex buyers are males, middle aged, white, who are married. Um, sometimes they're looking specifically for children. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they just want anyone. Um, they will travel 
out of their neighborhoods generally to get them. Even if there is something closer, they try to get away from their neighborhood or family or someone who may be driving by to see um, what are you doing in this neighborhood or whatever. Um, so they will go, you know, driving, you know, a so they know, hours. you know, they know they're doing something wrong. They know right. they could be caught. Like this isn't somebody who's, who's, you know, you know, has a, has such a mental illness that they, they, they can't really be in control of their own impulses. This is, this is premeditated. This is something that's arranged like a, like a turkey pot pie dinner. Right. I mean, there are a few that, you know, may have that, uh, problem, um, where they can't control, but these are, um, generally not these are choices that they're making and they have to go through a lot to you know get on the dark web and you know find what they're looking for in their area or whatever so there's plenty of time to turn back and change your mind but um they're not well and they're probably i mean you know not that that you know this is intelligent behavior at all but you know every once in a while you'll see on the news like the wife will say like i had no idea what my husband was doing and you know they're smart they're sneaky mm-hmm. you know it's yes. like you know i know i lived in a marriage where there was lots of deception nothing like this but but there was a lot of deception and there's a trust there like you said these are white men they're married they may have their own children yes and their own families they could be prominent in their communities and they have this dark secret that they they whatever and um they're, but they're not dumb either because no. you've got to, you know, you probably have to get the cash together. You've got to be able to meet somewhere. You're going to make sure you're not going to get caught. And you're, you know, because you don't hear about a lot of these people being caught. Do we not catch them or do, are they not publicized? It's hard to catch them, although the police and authorities are doing a much better job now of catching them. They are going on the dark web themselves. They are looking and trying to shut down the traffickers um, and also do sting operations and catch um, the buyers. But it's really hard to stay a step ahead of these traffickers and buyers. Like you said, they're very smart. They've planned for this. And um, there's a lot of shame and embarrassment and possibly their careers at stake and families at stake. So they do a lot of double checking and making real sure that they're not going to get caught. So it's just very hard for the authorities to catch them. Well, and I look at um, I look at that Glee star, uh, the guy who played Puck, what Mark Salling, and you know, and instead of going to jail, I don't know why he killed himself, but um, you know, he his death was ruled a suicide, you know, shortly before I guess his sentencing. I'm not really sure exactly the timeline, but you know, he was he had I don't know tons of child porn, tons of things. And, you know, he was a public figure. And then, you know, um, you know, when he pleaded guilty to child porn and he was in possession of who knows what he did in his personal life, but, you know, he had a lot to lose. He had a good career. Right. Right. And, um, a lot of these buyers do as well. Um, one was recently caught not too far from where, uh, we live, and he was a veterinarian. 
So there's a lot at stake here, and they're willing to risk that. Um, But there is a lot of shame and guilt that they have doing it, but it it doesn't seem like enough to stop them from doing it. Right. And I was just online, you know, before the show preparing, looking at, I don't know if you have any statistics um, here, but, you know, what's reported here for Arc of Hope for Children says 4.5 million traffic persons are sexually exploited, 300,000 Americans under the age of 18, you know, and then there's about 20,000 victims traveling to the or trafficked into the U.S. every year. I mean, these are phenomenal statistics. Absolutely. This is a widespread problem globally, and the statistics globally are that they think there's about 40 million victims around the world, which is just unfathomable. It's about a $150 billion industry worldwide. So these victims are throughout the world, trafficked around and about. We are in the U.S. more of a destination um, than an outward bound type of trafficking Mm -hmm. country Um, but it is amazing the numbers that we're talking about well, because they're, they're, like anything, they're, I mean, again, this is a vulgar way to put it, but they're used up by, like, probably, what, 25, 26, you know, right. people want, you know, young children or, you know, at what age, but by the time you're 24, 25, and then, you know, you've had this whole experience, and then you're done. Now, we talked about labor trafficking, we talked about sex trafficking, you know, one of the things that I find really disturbing is organ trafficking, Yes, um, there's more of that going on in other countries, but organ trafficking's very um, prevalent and adoptions, so they're trafficking babies. Um, that was another area that I was surprised to learn about, but that's happening quite frequently as well, especially in South America. Um, some of those adoptions that are going out are not, really that the mother or father gave permission. Um, They were impregnated, had a baby, the baby was taken and sold into adoption. So there's some really, you know, unique, I guess you could call it, ways of trafficking um, that are not the typical. There's also illicit drug trade that goes on illegally and peddling and begging rings. Um, so if you see people um, begging and peddling for money along the street or on the corner or whatever, sometimes that is just the legitimate person. And sometimes they're being forced to peddle and beg for money for traffickers. Wow. I'm going to take us to commercial break. We're visiting today with Lisa Rapp McCall. And uh, the website that you want people to check out, Lisa, is what for today? I would love you to check out Administration for Children and Families, acf.hhs.gov, and the polarisproject.org. Okay, so polarisproject.org. We're visiting today with uh, Lisa Rapp McCall. We're talking about these vulnerable targets, our children, our, our young people who are, are exploited and used for commercial gain. We'll be back after the break talking more about human trafficking. We've got lots more ahead. Stay with us on Military Mom Talk Radio.
LinkedIn. It's a great tool and a great way to do business in today's social media-driven world. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn Lady with the LinkedIn Lady Show, Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern on allbusinessradionetwork.com. The LinkedIn Lady Show is designed to inform, inspire, and educate businesses. Every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose. And the LinkedIn Lady will interview a variety of guests, such as business owners who can showcase their business and talk about how they use social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google+, Pinterest, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. As trends change and new applications become available, the LinkedIn Lady Show will bring that information to you in an easy-to-use, fun, and engaging way. Every Tuesday and Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Eastern, it's the LinkedIn Lady Show with Carol McManus on AllBusinessRadioNetwork.com. that besides home and work, Americans spend more time at the mall than anywhere else? There are 50,000 shopping malls in the United States alone. The Mall of America, located between Minneapolis and St. Paul, is the largest in the world with more than 500 stores. What's a word for a person who is a compulsive shopper? An oniomaniac. Studies have shown that women will buy more if they hear their heels clicking on the floor. So designers often use hard flooring in hallways. Of course, the stores want customers to spend all their coopity coop. That's another word for money. Well, I gotta run. There's only one more shopping day until tomorrow. My husband said if I don't quit shopping so much, he would leave me. Lord, I'm gonna miss that man. It's marching now. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. Hey, this is Sandra Beck, and we're visiting today with Lisa Rapp McCall, and we're talking about human trafficking, and the conversation turned to organ trafficking, and I was reading online that, you know, you can get $5,000 for a kidney, and I mentioned to Lisa on break that, you know, boy, if you're if you're poor and you have children to feed, like, you know, five grand's a lot of money for a kidney, you know, you got another one, I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect, but, um, and then there was that urban myth about, you know, kind of waking up in the bathtub on ice with your kidney missing but that's not so much a myth is it no that actually has been found to be happening in africa where someone will be kidnapped usually a young healthy adult but sometimes children as well as horrifying as this is and you know they are given the medication anesthesia etc put to sleep their whatever organ it is that they need are taken out and they wake up um, with uh, an organ missing. Sometimes, of course, they die because they're out left wherever and no one finds them in time. Um, and that organ is sold because um, it's so needed um, and so expensive then, especially in a country like Africa. So it's really just unbelievable that these things are happening but they do 
Well, I figure there's got to be, you know, like, you know, this is this is just up to like human creativity. You know, how can we we, you know, farm babies, like you said, like out of South America, you've got mothers forced to be impregnated to 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 sell these little healthy babies or maybe not so healthy Um but it also comes down to desperate people do desperate things. So if you are, you're facing the end of your life because you need a kidney or a liver and you have a lot of money, I mean, it can be very enticing. Absolutely. And I think that's really, you know, an important part of this is that oftentimes the victims are very desperate and needy for whatever reason or impoverished or, you know, are out of their country and out of their language comfort. Um, and then there's buyers. And all of that added together means that we're at the whim of the creativity of these traffickers. And this is like organized crime. They are very crafty. They are very organized. They have a hierarchy, an organizational chart, if you will, some of them. And they're very hard to find and um, stop. In fact, in some countries, the police are involved and they are on the take with the traffickers, you know, in order to look the other way. And so they're getting paid to do that. Well, that makes sense. I mean, because, you know, in in adoptions, at least in the 80s and 90s, when a lot of my friends were going to Russia and China, you know, they were told to bring, quote, unquote, gifts, you know, right. They called it gifts, you know, gifts of cash and gifts mm-hmm. of, of toys and gifts of diapers and gifts of, um, you know, I, I would sit there going like, oh, that's so nice. They're bringing gifts. <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> right. then, you, then you go home and think about it and like, wow, OK, so, you know, that's do? what did they just do or, you yeah. know. But when you have an agency, you know, a a foreign agency that says this is the way, like, I don't think, you know, necessarily all the people are being nefarious. If you go to these international adoption agencies and they're not regulated, like, let's say by the United States, you adopt in China, you adopt in Russia, um, you know, or, or Latvia or some of those other countries, there's a protocol there. And you're told to, you know, you bring money in envelopes and you give this money as you go along, you know, to help move the transaction along. But I don't know how many parents ever stop to think about the legitimacy of where did that baby come from, especially, you know, in countries that are the propaganda from that country is a glut of unwanted children. Right, right. So you you go there with best of intentions and follow the protocol, and sometimes the trafficking is behind the scenes. So the woman or man who's working at that agency and helping you adopt, they have no idea that the children were not given up in the typical fashion for adoption by their biological parents. So sometimes the trafficking is behind, behind, behind a normal business or agency, and those people don't even realize that way in the back there are things going on like, you know, brothels or getting babies illegally or drugs or whatever, and they have no idea. Well, how would you? Right. You know, I think that's just kind of that thing where you just put it up to, you know, I say a prayer that this is, you know, this is this is all for the greater good. But, you know, there's no way, there's just no way to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. 
So, so okay, we talked about organ trafficking. We've talked about, you know, infant trafficking. Let's talk about what happens to these people when they're done. Like, they're done with this career, if you will. You're 26, you're 28 years old. You've been in, you know, child trafficking for, or you've, you've been trafficked or sold, bought and sold. You know, there's... um. I participated over in in uh, the Pacific Rim in some fundraisers for group homes, you know, for homes uh-huh. for especially these girls to go to where they can get. And there's another one in Russia that I I work with, um, you know, and they they help them get educated. They help them, but you know, the psychological damage has to be unreal. It really is the short and long term effects for these folks, uh, adults or children, men or women, is really very serious. Um, so you mentioned just even you know how will you take care of yourself? Where will you go? They're literally homeless. They have no money. They have no clothes. They often have very serious medical problems. Um, because they were beaten or repeatedly abused and raped. Um, they may have had diseases or whatever that were never taken care of, broken bones that healed the wrong way, dental problems, um, organ problems, etc. They have no you know, skill per se for a job. They may not know the language very well. They're very disoriented. Um, so there's so many things that they need and more services are being developed for um, these victims in the United States, but we need so many more. The homes, like you mentioned, they there are more and more coming along, but the beds fill up so quickly, even when the police are able to save some victims, where do you put them? Where do they go? They're really helpless. Um, so we have to do a lot more work on getting funding and getting services for all these former victims. Well, and helping them, helping the victims is fairly new. Like when you look at the child trafficking over, you know, the past 200 years. Um, and I, I, the reason I say this is, is um, I participate in uh, World of Children that um, allow, that, that has awards and grants that go to um, pr- programs like these around the world that that deal with the after effects you know i think we spend a lot of time you know trying to prevent these things and shut the business down but then the victims were just like well you know you're a victim and and I see more and more over the last 20 years groups coming forward, religious groups and and philanthropic groups that really are trying to to work with with these these young adults for depression, for PTSD, for acute stress reaction, disassociation, self harm, addiction, you know, adjustment disorder. You know, we know so much more today than we did 50 years ago. Absolutely, and uh, we know that they need long-term therapy and treatment, um, and so we're trying to educate um, health care and mental health care workers so that they can be prepared to work with these victims, because even if they were only in a short time before they were rescued, the harm is still quite grave and very serious. 
Well, especially because you're talking, you know, when I look at, like, I kind of relate this to, to some of the, the post-traumatic work, you know, for our, for our veterans today. You know, we've got these young, you know, 18, 19, 20, 25-year-old veterans who have been in a war experience and come back forever changed. And, you know, we have we know that there's long-term effects. I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. But now you take a child who's in their development stage. They're developing their personality. They're developing their, their physical body. And all of this is happening kind of concurrently with their own development it you know how do you develop into a healthy functioning adult if you're you're broken at the get-go right it's really really difficult um like you said they're developing their understanding of the world um trust for adults safety um, attaching to human beings, having relationships, friends, and otherwise. That's all very confusing now. Um, they have the mental health problems. They have physical problems because those things weren't supposed to be happening when their body is developing. They're not getting proper nutrition. They're not getting enough calories. They're not getting any kind of immunizations or vitamins, for goodness sakes, anything. So all of that um, shows up as malnutrition, etc. So it takes a long time. The good news is that kids are resilient, but it is. It's a lot of treatment that's required um, in order to get them um, feeling okay and, and starting to live in the real world, whatever that is. Right, whatever that looks like. So, right. yeah, there's, I mean, there's psychological consequences, there's physical consequences, and then there's also the question of, you know, these ch- children have not been educated, they have not been exposed to anything. So, you know, to expect them to be productive in society, I think, is, you know, that's like so far down the line. Right, and we really need the residential centers in a lot of cases because at least there we can help them get caught up in school, get them um, caught up in reading and math and everything um, because they really can't expect to be expected to just jump out of this and go get a job. Um, that's really not going to happen. That's like so, television. Right, right. This is not going to be all well and good at the end of our 60 minutes here. So um, it takes a lot of time. That all is a lot of money for services, especially residential. But we really need those kind of services to make a difference. Okay, we'll be back after the break. More with Lisa Rapp about Lisa Rapp McCall about human trafficking, and we'll be back. We'd love to hear from you. Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Our shows are available on iTunes anytime from 0-100 hours to 23:59. For now, stay right where you are. There's more Military Mom Talk Radio after these messages. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. 
population suffer from bad breath? Several years ago, a New York City doorman was actually suspended from work because people were complaining about his bad breath. Other words for foul-smelling breath are halitosis and ozostomia. So, what are common causes of ozostomia? Coffee is a problem because it's very acidic, and bacteria reproduce faster in an acid environment. Candy and gum contain sugar, which is also a problem because sugar feeds the bacteria that cause bad breath. Alcohol is another culprit. What's another name for cheap wine? Plonk, slip slop, or stinky bus. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back with more great conversation on Military Mom Talk Radio. We're here today with Lisa Rapp McCall, and we're talking about human trafficking, and we've talked about the physical consequences, the psychological consequences. We've talked about the economics of, you know, the economics and the multi-billion dollar industry it is to farm and transport and traffic and use human beings for our own um, reasons, and we're going to talk a little bit about how to identify, especially children or people that might be in your community that are that are working against their will or trafficked here or, um, you know, part of this trade, if you will. But before we do that, I want to make a comment, Lisa. You know, you were talking about many of these these kids or the victims, I should say, are beaten. They're they're denied food and water. They're tortured and drugged. You know, probably for the end result of absolute obedience um, and, and, and no desire or no ability, I should say, to free themselves. When you strip a human being of all these things, What's left in the identity? You know, I look at my identity and go, okay, I'm I'm Polish, Ukrainian, Czechoslovakian, and German, and I, my grandparents have this language, and I went to this college, and you know, I worked for these companies. You know, there's all these labels that come together to form my identity, but a lot of these people have been removed, maybe even before they remembered a family. So, where is their identity? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, some of the kids have been removed very, very young. They don't know, and uh, it's hard to backtrack because they don't know where they've been or where they were. It's very confusing. Um, and it is. It's very confusing for children and adults when all of that has been stripped away from you. You've basically been treated like an animal. Um, it's like we have to start from the very beginning with treatment of just giving you self-esteem and safety and belonging and teaching trust, etc. And um, many are able, the authorities are able to backtrace where they came from or where they were, but some of them are not returning to their families because their families actually were the ones that sold them into trafficking for money for whatever reason. Um, so they become wards of the state in the child welfare system, um, but it it is, it's very 
disorienting, it's very confusing, and again, takes years and years of counseling and assistance um, and really foster homes or residential treatment centers to rebuild human beings. So if we're, we're a target destination, I heard you say that. So, you know, we're not really outbound. We're not sending, you know, glut right. of American people outward. We're actually bringing these people into our country. When they are removed from the business or they are discarded or discovered, um, you know, in our society, are they covered as a victim? Like who, who, who then takes these kids? Like, you know, you're 13 years old, you've been trafficked from some country, you're not going to return them to their country if you could even find out where they came from. So who takes them then? Do they become wards of the state of that where they're found like what happens to them it's a good question sometimes they are um they become wards of the state sometimes they are sent back to that country where they're wards of that country um immigration has to get involved and decipher and weed through all this so sometimes we're keeping kids here for a while until court cases are processed and judges decide what is going to happen it's really complicated and confusing Using. A lot of them don't want to go back. They came from abject poverty. Their families were tricked into selling them or wanted to sell them. They don't. These children or youth or young adults now do not want to go back to their country. They want to stay here. So it gets very confusing with immigration, etc. But many do uh, get to stay. Um, and they receive services, um, and they they heal. Is it like our foster and homeless, you know, thing that when you're 18, you age out of the system and you're just on your own? Yes, or there's residential even for adults um, in these situation, and so there might be group homes and those kind of homes that where they're working on rehabilitation and giving them skills, teaching them English, etc. So how do we identify? Because, you know, it is sneaky and it is, but these these people have to appear somewhere, especially if they're domestics, if they're, you know, I don't know how often the children, like if you see a child in a bar, like, is that a good red flag? Like, you know, what do you what do you look for? Right. Let's think about this because they're among us and uh, they're also speaking out more and calling into the hotline more to get assistance. So if you see someone who doesn't have ID, this is an adult more like, they don't seem to have a permanent home address, even a child. Um, They might have few, if any, belongings They might have tattoos or branding on them. Um, Sometimes they look like barcodes. Sometimes they're names. Sometimes they're numbers, as if they're like something you bought at the grocery store. They may always be with some adult that it doesn't really seem quite right. They seem to lack freedom. They seem to be coerced. Um, maybe someone looks really malnourished or exhausted because they're not sleeping, they're not, they're starving, they're hungry. You might see bruises um, because they're physically abused oftentimes. Maybe there's untreated medical conditions that you notice. Maybe they are not making eye contact and they're looking around nervous, panicky, paranoid. 
submissive. They seem to be um, very submissive with some maybe older male with them. Um, you might ask their address. They don't seem to know it, don't seem to know the day or where they've been. They have a you know, funny story about, oh, they're just visiting but can't give you details. All those kind of shady things that make you feel like this is a little weird, go with your gut and, you know, give the human trafficking hotline a call. You don't have to know for sure. It's just you're suspicious of something. And that number is 888-373-7888. Can you give that again? 888-373-7888. 7888. So again, all you have to do is feel suspicious. You don't have to prove anything. You can just call, um, give as much information as you know, and uh, the authorities will do their part. But it's really important that we speak up when we see these things. I don't know if you um, remember, but a few months ago, a uh, airline stewardess noticed that there was something peculiar about this older man with this young, you know, 15-year-old, disheveled, filthy girl with bad clothes. Meanwhile, he looked very wealthy, mm. and she was able to get the girl alone coming out of the bathroom, and the girl told her, and they had authorities waiting at the gate. So any one of us can can make that call. Um, again, if you see something suspicious, say something, even if it's an adult like you said, it could be domestic house or commercial cleaning, landscapers, agriculture, um, a salon or spa you go to that it doesn't seem quite right the way they're being treated or they seem fearful. Um, you may see, you know, just something that looks off or wrong. Um, please call Or if you're a victim listening now of this type of trafficking, call. Hundreds of calls are coming in each day to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, and they're making a difference. They're saving victims. Victims are telling their story. They're getting out of this, and they're informing authorities so that we all know what's going on and we can hear their stories and help them. So we want to spread this information to family and friends um, so that we can all do our best to help these victims get get away and help rebuild their lives. Well, and I think for many of the people listening today, the biggest aha moment, you know, that I had is that they're right, they're hiding in plain sight. Like, you know, I just, I just popped onto NBC News to look at this heroic flight attendant rescues a teenage human trafficking victim. And this girl was sitting there with greasy blonde hair in the window of aisle seat 10 on a flight from Seattle to San Francisco. And the flight attendant who worked for Alaska Airlines said that the girl looked like she had had been through hell and she guessed the girl to be 14 15 years old again a mess but traveling with a well-dressed older man and that contrast between the two set off these alarm bells in her head and when she tried to engage them in conversation the man became defensive so the flight attendant left a note in the bathroom and the little girl wrote on the note and said i need help and so when the plane man you know the plane landed the police were waiting in the terminal how many other people on that air plane saw that 
quote-unquote couple and dismissed it as, oh, it's probably her grandpa or, oh, how she's probably a teenager that, you know, refuses to take a shower. I mean, that's kind of what I would think. Right, right. So you're right. They're out in plain sight, and when something looks suspicious, trust your gut because something is wrong, something is off, and um, absolutely make that call. They'd be happy to take that call. That's what they do. They're 24-hour hotline, and they will look into it, and no harm if that wasn't what you thought. You know, it was. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to be a problem. So best that you call um, and really try to help. Um, the U.S. is really trying to track and shut down these traffickers. They are arresting and prosecuting buyers. They are arresting and prosecuting traffickers more and more. Um, they're trying to help get these victims away from these traffickers and, and get them to the services that they need. But it all helps if we all have our eyes and ears open because we're the public and we're everywhere. Um, authorities can't be everywhere, so we need to help them. Well, to know what to look for, Lisa. I mean, that, you know, just right there, that that airline story that you told, you know, I fly a lot and I'm going to look the next time. I'm going to, when I walk to the bathroom, I mean, what is it to just look? Right. Something off like that, you know, if that was your daughter or granddaughter, she would be impeccably dressed as well with expensive right. clothes or handbag or something. Um, so that looked off. She knew it. The guy got defensive and angry. That's another red flag. Um, so there she she did a great job. So that's what we can all help. And that number again is 888-373-7888. And that's the National Human Trafficking Hotline number. Okay, well, there you have it. Keep your eyes open. Call when you have a suspicion. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for tuning in to Military Mom Talk Radio. Want more information? Check us out at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 200 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom.